Welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast, a show brought to you by PureFlix.com. PureFlix.com, the faith, family, and fun video streaming service. Get ready for uplifting news, scripture, movie reviews, and interviews with some of your favorite actors, authors, and pastors. Let's get started. Hey, what's going on? It's Billy Hollowell, and welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast. Today, we are diving into The Chosen. If you haven't seen The Chosen, which is an incredible series, you can watch it on pureflix.com. Right now, head on over to the app. If you're not currently a Pure Flix member, you can actually get a free trial and check that series out. And before we get into it, because if you don't know about The Chosen, you're going to hear a lot about it, I wanted to talk with you guys about a fascinating interview that actress Candace Cameron Bure did with Fox News. Now, we covered this over on the Pure Flix Insider. If you head over to insider.pureflix.com, you can read about the interview. But I'm going to share some quotes because I, I always love when we see somebody in Hollywood come out and talk about their faith because it's not a place that we typically assume you're going to hear about Christianity, right? We've got companies and organizations that are out there like Pureflix who are doing amazing things in this space. But generally speaking, I think a lot of us don't look at Hollywood and synonymously think faith. And yet there are people like Candace Cameron Bure who are working diligently in Hollywood with very successful careers. They love Jesus and they're out there really just spreading the gospel and, and doing it through the way they live and act, right? And so she spoke with Fox News and I thought the interview was very, very interesting. And this is a quote from what Candace Cameron said. She said, my faith is really the foundation of who I am. It's so important to me, and it's always a part of me, whether it's at home and privately or when I'm reading the Bible in Bible study. Now, she also said, the Bible to me is truth. I can always go back to the Word of God and find the hope, the encouragement, the positivity, the trust that I know I have in Jesus. Now, you can read more about this interview and see what else she had to say over at insider.pureflix.com, but also in the story, you'll see. Now, remember, this is an interview she did with Fox News, but we actually had Candace on the podcast last year really talking about her backstory, how she came to faith, navigating Hollywood, and so you can actually listen to that 30-minute interview as well over at insider.pureflix.com. Now, today, this is very exciting, the creator, the director, the mind behind The Chosen, he is going to be on the show in just a minute, Dallas Jenkins. Now, Dallas has created something phenomenal. I mean, this show has broken records with fundraising and crowdfunding and bringing Christians all over the country together to help support and bring this show to light. Now, this is a show that tells the story of the gospel in a really unique way. And so if you don't know, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to let Dallas tell you all about it. If you do know, you're going to want to hear this because Dallas is talking not only about the current series and season one and the past, but about upcoming season two, the future of the show, and what you can expect from The Chosen. So with no further ado, I want to welcome Dallas Jenkins to the show right now. Hey, Dallas, how you doing? Great, man. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's always good to talk to you. We've uh, we've known each other for a few years now, so I'm happy to do this now in podcast form. I know. I feel like we've done it in, in TV form. We've done it in a bunch of different forms, and now we get to do the podcast. I, I'm, I'm super excited because what you have built with The Chosen is really incredible. I mean, you've got this following of people who are really, and rightfully so, because I've watched The Chosen, captivated 
by this series. And so there may be some people listening who don't know about the series. So I'm going to ask you, Dallas, if you had like a little elevator pitch where you could kind of, you know, you got maybe 20, 30 seconds to tell people what the show and the series is about, how would you describe it? It's a great question. And I've actually given that elevator pitch quite a few times. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm ready for you. But um, yeah, I would just say it's the first ever multi-season show about the life of Christ. There's been movies, there's been miniseries, but there's never actually been a multi-season show with, you know, a full, like the season one is eight episodes where you can really take your time to dig into the stories and the characters of the gospels in a way that you can't do in a movie format. And so you're going to see not only uh, the Gospels be put to film, but you're going to see historical context, cultural context, and some artistic imagination so we can really give backstories so that these uh, the, the, the moments from the Gospels are that much more impactful. And the, the incredible thing, and by the way, that was an amazing elevator pitch. That was great. Thank you. That was perfect. Thank you. Are you going to go watch the show now? <laughs> I've seen, I love the show. I've been, I've been watching it. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, it's so incredible to have a chance to see the people we we love and we know, the most revered and loved people in the history of the world, right, um, have their stories be told. And I wanted to ask about the challenge of that, because obviously you have a scenario where we don't have all the details of everybody's lives, right? You've got to fill in blanks. And so how do you do that as a filmmaker in a way that keeps the gospel accurate, which you've done? But how, how do you like what's that process like on your end? I think there's a, a word that guides every decision that we make creatively when we are not following scripture, meaning, and I, when I say following scripture, that may sound like a scary phrase, like, oh, what do you mean you don't follow scripture? No, we, when we're doing stories from the gospels and when we're, when we're capturing verses from the gospels, we don't change anything. So that's number one. We don't, we don't change anything. We're not trying to, we don't have any new agenda. We're not trying to rewrite anything that happened in the gospels. That doesn't change. However, we don't apologize for, nor do we deny that we have backstories that we've added. We base it on some historical context, cultural context, as I said, and then some artistic imagination. So when we do that, we are very careful. But the number one word we use is plausible. Is this plausible? Is it plausible from a historical standpoint? Is it plausible from a cultural standpoint? And is it plausible within not only the storyline of what could have happened to these people, but does it fit within the character and intentions of Scripture and of Jesus? Um, we don't get a whole lot in the Gospels from the, the the supporting characters, as I like to call them. Um, you don't see a whole lot uh, from Simon Peter and Mary Magdalene and Nicodemus and Matthew, our four main characters in the show, who you might think you know a lot of them from the, about from them from the Gospels, but when you read the Gospels, you realize, oh goodness, it's actually just verses here and there. You don't get to see them at home. You don't get to see them in their in their regular lives. You have to kind of piece some things together because that wasn't the purpose of the Gospels. Uh, the purpose of the Gospels was essentially, you know, to to give Jesus his greatest hits so that they could prove that he was the Son of God and the Messiah. And so when you're doing a show and you're someone like myself who does love the Bible, who does love Jesus, who doesn't have some sort of uh, political agenda that I'm trying to, uh, to, to where, where I'm trying to get it across using the Bible as my as my excuse, um, I think that what people are responding to when they watch it and the fact that they're not thrown off, that 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 we, we have a few critics and we have people, there's always some haters who well, just... that's always going to happen, right? I yeah. mean, that's, yeah, that's a given. Right, and, and, and the fact that we're, we don't stick exactly to scripture in every scene um, causes some people to just say, we can't watch the show, 
uh, you're adding to scripture, you're adding to the Bible. We, you know, the Bible says not to do that. Our response briefly is typically we're not the Bible, so we're not adding to the Bible. Right. So you, your Bible has not changed since the chosen came out. Uh, the Bible is, has not been added to, and we're not doing that. But when we stick to the plausibility, and that's that's from me being a lifelong Christian and a Bible scholar to, to, on a small degree. I'm not a theologian, but I went to Bible Bible college. I, I, I've been to I was a Bible major. Um, my co-writers both know the Bible very well. We have three biblical consultants who are also kind of a line of defense. But if if we find that it's plausible and that it fits within the character and intentions of Scripture, uh, then then it actually. And combined with the fact that I genuinely don't care about criticism, like when I get people who I think that's what cripples a lot of people uh, when they're doing Christian art is they're afraid of the occasional social media blowback that they might get or the one denomination that's going to publicly um, criticize them or the discernment blogger who's going to write about the things that they did wrong. And I think that cripples people. And I, uh, for better or worse, genuinely don't care if I feel like in my heart and with my relationship with God and my wife have, and, and my biblical scholars have done um, a, a fair job of, of presenting the people of, of the first century in Galilee, then I, then I, I, I live with it and I'm, and I'm okay with that. And so that's, that's kind of the, I know that's a long answer to your question. No, it's I a prob- great answer though, because it, 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 this is yeah. a prevalent issue, right? This is something that comes up in people's minds. They want to understand it. So I appreciate the answer. I like that it yeah, was long. And I got into a little bit more than just the process, because the process is when we are writing and and looking through Scripture for the key story points that we're going to hit, and then we kind of work our way backwards from there to make sure that we build up who these people were and what could have led to this moment, to this really impactful moment. Um, you know, when we're doing that, again, plausibility is our number one rule. And uh, and then you can have fun with it. I mean, you really, you know, we, we don't feel like we're doing something that radical, um, it feels like it's radical because it hasn't been done before. But, um, you know, we feel like we're doing what you typically do when you do a historical drama is you're you're using a lot of human behavior. These people were human beings. And so when I'm writing a scene between Simon and his wife, I'm using some of what I've experienced in my own marriage. And and that's what I think people are responding to. And they say, wow, it felt so real or it felt so human. I'm like, yeah, because these people were human beings and we're using some of our own experiences to draw from when we're writing these scenes. Well, and we lose that sometimes. Like, we forget that. Not, I mean, in the back of our minds, we know that they were human beings, but you're reading through Scripture, and you don't always think through, what was it like for them to get up in the morning and live a normal day the way that we do? Because they did that. They were human they, human beings, right? And so to have a chance through that lens to see what might have been, what might have been plausible, as you said, I think is, is really incredible that you've offered that to viewers. Now, you've been in film... And, and TV now, you've been doing this, and you have had incredible success with this. I want to know a little bit about what led to this. And I've talked to you about this before, but I think it's incredible, and I want people to hear this. Like, how did The Chosen come to be? Well, ironically enough, you used the word successful uh, when, you, when you're talking about The Chosen. And what, the reason that that's ironic is because The Chosen was actually birthed from failure. Uh, three years ago, a little about three and a half years ago, to January of 2017, my movie, The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, was released in theaters. And it was a complete box office failure uh, compared to its expectations and what we needed to do for me to continue to be making movies with these big production companies in Hollywood who had gotten intrigued by some of the things I'd done, wanted to try the faith-based world out. Um, you, you've been involved and connected to the faith-based film world for many years. And you know that every now and then there's a 
uh, a mainstream studio or production company that goes, hey, let's some of these movies seem to be making some money. Let's give it a shot. And and then they 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 tend to do one project, and if it doesn't work, they 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 move on. And that's what happened with me. Uh, the Grizzard Gavin Stone didn't work financially, so they moved on. And I was just in a couple hours, I went from being a director with a very bright future to a director with no future because they had planned on after this uh, the successful test screenings and the buzz that the movie was getting. I mean, they were really excited about it and they really loved it and wanted to do multiple movies with me over the next several years. And then they just dropped out. So I, I was now left with nothing. And I did a short film for my church's Christmas Eve service. Um, it's called The Shepherd, and it's actually on, I believe it may be on PureFlix, uh, the streaming service right now. Um, I, I think so. I'm not, I'm not 100%, but um, it's available on YouTube, and it's available on Facebook, and it's on uh, the VidAngel app, and, our, and it's even on the Chosen app. And it's a short film I just did for my church's Christmas Eve service. That's what's all, what, what's all it was intended to be. And while I was making it, and in 20 minutes of this short film, I felt like we we covered more ground and got I, I got I learned more about the birth of Christ by exploring it through the eyes of the shepherds than I ever had in my all my years of being a believer. And I thought, why this could really be interesting for a multi-season show, a binge watchable show about Jesus. So I can't believe it's never been done before. So I kind of left that idea in the back of my head and and was going to potentially take it out to some streaming services if I got the chance and I, you know, I, but I just didn't, I didn't think I had much of a future and very long story short, that short film ended up being the catalyst for a crowdfund that VidAngel Studios, the, the, the other streaming service that, that you guys have worked with before uh, on, on the chosen and, and we're developing some other projects. They loved the idea and said, you, you know, let's do a crowdfund. And I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it would never work. <laughs> I thought we'd be lucky to raise, you know, a thousand dollars. And you and, broke uh, records and you broke Hollywood up, records. Yeah. It ended up shattering the all time crowdfunding record and raised over $10 million from over 19,000 people around the world. And so that's how we were able to do season one. And, um, this, th th this, there was, that's this phrase that God kind of laid on my wife's heart when Gavin Stone failed and we were just confused. One of the phrases that he laid on my wife's heart was I do impossible math. And we didn't know what that meant. We thought it was referring to the box office for Gavin Stone, that something was going to turn around magically and we were going to, even though the opening weekend was horrible, maybe that maybe the numbers would would be impossibly turned around. And that didn't happen. But uh, what what God made so clear a year later, he kind of like a lightning bolt when when the numbers reached 10 million and we broke the record. And and uh, my wife was again, just looked at me with tears in her eyes. And she's like, I do impossible math. That's what God was talking about. And uh, that's been true for this whole project. It's just it's crazy to hear the story because I know a lot of people, you know, we struggle when things go wrong. We get frustrated when we think when we think we're going to have something that we really wanted, that God's going to give it to us and we don't get it. We kind of look at him and we're like, God, why? Why didn't you take us where we thought you were going to take us? And I think back to that, you know, that quote unquote failure, which, by the way, I thought the resurrection of Gavin Stone was a great movie. I enjoyed it. Um, but but the box office issue there, right? And the feelings you're having after, and then this short film that you do for your church, and then now here you are working on raising the money for season two here for the show. You've had an incredibly successful series. Is it strange to kind of look back now? Maybe it's even kind of uplifting to look back and sort of see the way that God has worked in your life. Oh, 100%. I mean, I I look at that moment when when I was at my lowest point in my career, 
uh, well, I look at it now as, as one of the truly greatest moments of my life. It's where God truly met me. And that's a whole other story that we can talk about some other time of, of my own just personal faith journey with, with what God did through that experience. Um, but what, what, what's happened with the chosen, when I look back on if the resurrection of Gavin Stone would have been successful, right now I would be on your podcast talking about another movie that I did as a follow-up to the resurrection of Gavin Stone. We would not be talking about The Chosen. The Chosen would not exist. Mm-hmm. And so The Chosen is clearly the the show that I was born to to make. It was it's my life's work. It, it I didn't know it at the time um that, that 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 was going to be the case, but God prepared me in many ways m- more on a personal level than on even a career level to make me ready for The Chosen. And now the success of The Chosen isn't um impacting me personally any more than the than the failure of the resurrection of Gavin Stone impacted me personally. Um, th- that impact lasted for about five hours before um, I, you know, God kind of got a hold of me and, and changed my life and changed my priorities and changed my expectations. And and I realized that it's not my job to feed the 5,000. It's only to provide the loaves and fish. And my transaction with God ends when I hand him five healthy loaves and two healthy pieces of, you know, two healthy fish. Uh, and, you know, my job is just to make sure that I'm as good at baking and catching fish as I can be. And once that happens, once God finds my gift acceptable, then the fact that the resurrection of Gavin Stone happens to be feeding the 5,000, but the resurrection of Gavin, wait, sorry, no, sorry, the chosen happens to be feeding the 5,000, and the resurrection of Gavin Stone happened to not, uh, is not really my job to worry about. And, 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 and I don't believe I'm working any harder now than I was then. Uh, I'm not any better than I was then, and I'm not any more worthy of 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 the 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 the, the fan base's adulation than I was then. Uh, I'm just uh, God's just chosen to you know no pun intended to to really use this project for His purposes. And that and that happens in life when we really just connect ourselves to what God wants for us instead of leading. I know in my own life, I've tried to lead with what I want first and try to fit God in wherever I think I can. And um, the last couple of years, probably the last two years, I've tried to not do that. And I've really tried to follow God. And it's amazing what happens when you do that. The things that that creep up on you, like the chosen, which is an amazing thing, and God is being glorified through that, which I love. Now, let's talk about season two. Season one is out. You can see it on PureFlix, on VidAngel, and, and on the app you mentioned. Um, what? How are you doing season two now? You're raising money. How can people help if they want to get involved? Well, yeah, when you watch it on PureFlix, um, I come on, I think, before or after a couple of different episodes where I say, listen, if you want to see future episodes and seasons— uh, we we, re, we we rely on paying it forward. Um, it's free to watch on the chosen app. Um, you know, it comes with if you're a, if you're a subscriber to PureFlix, you're able to watch it for, with your subscription. But that's not enough to get season two made. Uh, people need to to pay it forward. So they can go to thechosen.tv/payitforward. Um, they can look up how to do that. I don't want them to have to remember a website, but or they can do it through the app. I, we mentioned it on, on PureFlix where people can go uh, to to pay it forward because we want people to, 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 to know that, yes, enjoy it through your subscription or enjoy it for free on the chosen app. But, um, you know, paying it forward is the mechanism which with, when, with which we're going to do future seasons. So just yesterday, we actually passed uh, the funding for episode five out of eight episodes. So we're already well into season two funding. 
we could shoot episodes one through four right now. Um, with our, the scripts are written. We're writing episodes five through eight. We're looking for a location. Um, we're, we're narrowing narrowing in on a location for season two. So we're hoping to be filming this year. Um, uh, and 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 the way to make sure that we can film the entire season and get season two out quicker to people is if they pay it forward. And so uh, it's a really beautiful thing to watch because the show is in literally every country in the world. It's been translated in over 50 languages. And that's because people are paying it forward and allowing us to continue to allow it to allow people to see it for free in other countries. Yeah, it's incredible to see when you have that much support from other people, too, knowing that they want this, right? They want to see season two. And so one of the things I've wondered with the series, and I'm sure you have an, an end game, but what is the end game? How, how far does the series go? How wide does it go? How many seasons in your mind if you had an ideal scenario? Yeah, so we've actually made the decision to to give ourselves a framework and number of seasons. So at the end of August, my co-writers and I are going to be spending a week at a retreat center and just holding up and uh, season two will have been finished by then in terms of the writing. We're going to then plot out seasons three through seven. Uh, seven is a nice number. It's a biblical number. It's a complete number. Uh, and we feel like it's enough for us to really tell the story accurately. Season seven is going to, spoiler alert, take place uh, after Christ's crucifixion. Season six is going to take all its time on the crucifixion. And we're just going to work on making sure that seasons three, four, and five uh, effectively and powerfully lead up to those seasons so that um, those seasons are as impactful as they can be. And so we're just going to really plot it out and, and, and outline it so that we can write with a goal in mind, a plan in mind. I think some shows in the past uh, that got a little, well, I was going to say unintentionally, unintentionally lost because the show Lost is one of these examples where <laughs> they didn't, they didn't, they didn't know exactly how many seasons they were going to go, and so they started opening up these doors and going down rabbit holes, and then, and then when they finally decided, you know what, we need to have an end game, we need to know exactly how many seasons we're going to do, they had to close some of those doors randomly, um, just because they they got they got a little lost, no pun intended, and so we want to give ourselves. You know, here's here's how many seasons we're going to be. And now that we know that, I think we can write more effectively. Well, my last question for you, and I'd love to have you back on again. Um, it would actually be even fun to open up questions to the audience and and let people sure. ask you some some questions. So we'll have to set that up. But what is what is the biggest lesson? And we spoke a little bit about this, but the biggest lesson you've learned as a filmmaker throughout The Chosen, throughout the process of making season one? Well, the lesson that I've learned on a personal level, which I mentioned earlier, which is it's not my job to feed the 5,000, it's only to provide the loaves and fish, is a lesson that I'm also learning in my career. Um, I, I would encourage you, uh, if you're listening, to go to YouTube and just look up the miracle of the miracle of the fish. Um, you just, you, you know, it's easy to find on YouTube, just the miracle of the miracle of the fish. And it tells the story, it's about an eight minute video that tells the story of the filming of one of our signature scenes, which is in episode four, which is in, when Jesus calls Simon to follow him after uh, this miracle of fish. It's a famous gospel story. And the story behind how we made that scene happen, it parallels, I think, my personal journey as uh, with, with Christ over the last couple of years in that we got to the point, I'll just give you a quick hint, four days before we were scheduled to shoot that scene, we didn't have fish, we didn't have a boat, and we didn't have a lake. And then we had to, all those things had to come together just in time for us to film this scene. And it really turned out to be an extraordinary scene. And I think because I had the attitude and the approach of, look, I'm only going to do what I can do. I'm going to do everything that I can. And at some point, what well, the only thing that's left is for God to show up. And 
that's that's easy to misunderstand. Sometimes people can go so far where they're relying so much on God that they sit around and wait for him to make everything clear and they wait for him to do everything. And then other people like me previously in my life said, listen, God will bless those who bless themselves or God, you know, God rewards those who work. And so I'm going to work hard, work hard, work hard. And, and then hopefully God will bless it. And, and I feel like this show is is working because I and those around me uh, have figured, have kind of cracked that code of doing our part, but letting God feed the 5,000 and really re knowing that that God is ultimately responsible for where this show goes and what how it impacts people. And I think that's why it is having the impact that it's having. Well, listen, Dallas, I appreciate this. That is a wonderful note to end on. And we'll have to have you back on the show again very soon. Thank you so much, Billy. Always great to talk to you. And yes, uh, start gathering some questions from from the listeners and from the viewers, and uh, it'd be, be fun to come on and answer them. Sounds good. We'll talk soon. Did you know you could access thousands of entertaining and inspiring faith and family-friendly TV shows, movies, and original series? It's simple. Just log on to pureflix.com right now to start your free trial. From kids' content to some of the most uplifting films, we've got your entire family covered. Sign up today. Welcome back to the Pure Flix podcast. I am Billy Hollowell. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I mean, this has been this has been a great show. I love getting a chance to talk with people like Dallas, people who are working in Hollywood, doing amazing things. The Chosen, again, it's broken records. It's been an incredible series. If you're interested, you can actually head over to Pure Flix and watch that series right now. It is available, season one. And you heard there's there's more to come on The Chosen, which is really just exciting. I think we've we've got a lot of really of really cool stuff to come on that front. Now, I want to point you guys over to insider.pureflix.com. Again, this is an incredibly important blog, and you know, selfishly, I'm telling you to come and read because I get a chance. I'm very blessed to be able to write this blog every day. We've got Bible verseless interviews, um, all sorts of different content that you can find over at insider.pureflix.com. So just make it a daily destination. Go get inspired. Head over to insider.pureflix.com today. But I wanted to share a couple of Bible verses with you because right now. Culture is so crazy, right? And as we end the show here, I just am always thinking about ways that we can end the show, leaving you guys with some positivity, being uplifted. And when I think about worldview, I think for Christians right now, we've got a lot of things happening in this world for all of us, right? But but for Christians, I'm looking at polling data. I mean, the Barna Group just put out a survey showing, um, actually it wasn't Barna, it was the American Bible Society, I believe. They put out a, a survey showing that only 9% of Americans are reading their Bibles right now on a daily basis, and that's down from 14% last year. So from 2019 to 2020, we've gone from 14% down to 9%. And so when we talk about worldview, we're being shaped by everything going on around us, and there's so much chaos right now, and yet at a time when we need the Bible more than ever, when we need truth, more of us are not reading. We're moving away from that. And so I wanted to share a couple of Bible verses because I think this is so important when we think about worldview, and I know it's convicting for me um, as well because life has been busy during the pandemic. Things have been crazy, and ironically, despite having more time um, at moments, it's as though we don't because we're trying to re recalibrate, readjust, understand if we have kids, what are our kids going to be doing in the fall? How is, how is the world going to look? We have an election year. There's a lot 
happening. So Romans 12, 2, it reads, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Um, that is a powerful verse, and I think if we're not if we're not in tune with God, if we're not reading, if we're not praying, how can we un- understand and discern that perfect will? And I want to read one more verse for you. This is Ephesians two one through two. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Um, Just looking at the fact that our world is in chaos, we know there's an enemy, we know there's a God who loves us, and that we need to we need to be in sync and in tune with that and understand it. Now, those are just two of the verses. You can head over to insider.pureflix.com. The story is four Bible verses about what it means to build a biblical worldview. And so you'll find some links and resources over there as well. We've got a great five-day Bible verse devotional. So if you're looking to jump back into the Word, you can do that. Head over to insider.pureflix.com right now under the prayer and faith section of the blog. You can click that over at the top. You'll see prayer and faith, you'll find a ton of resources that will help you in that arena. Now, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, and make sure you tune in next week for another episode of the Pure Flix podcast. That's all for today's podcast. You can follow Pure Flix on Facebook at facebook.com slash pureflix and on Twitter at pureflix. And be sure to log on today to pureflix.com for thousands of faith and family-friendly movies and TV shows. Thanks for listening to the Pure Flix Podcast.